This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Singapore is yet to have a team at the FIFA World Cup, but the Republic will have one representative at the upcoming tournament in Qatar in November-December, referee Muhammad Taki Al-Jafari bin Jahari, who will be one of 24 video match officials operating the VAR system. He joins me, ST Sports correspondent Sazali Abdulaziz, in the studio on this episode of ST Sports Talk as we chat about his refereeing journey, criticisms of the video assistant referee system and Qatar. Hi Taki and welcome. Thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure to be here on the ST Sports Talk and I'm happy to share my experiences and knowledge of the VR. Okay, firstly, I have to say this is the first time in over 160 episodes of ST Sports Talk that I've had a guest who I've known personally for over half my life. Uh, almost 20 years ago, Taki and I played on the same social football team and then we were both very briefly teammates in the Singapore Poly school team. We both eventually quit. Taki went on from being a, a decent midfielder to establishing himself as Singapore's top referee while I, realising I could not make it in football, decided to write about the game instead. So Taki, even then, like when you were about 16 or 17, you were already taking your first steps in refereeing. Can you share how you first got started? Yes, I started refereeing at the age of 16. I took up the referee's basic course in 2002 with some of my colleagues or my classmates. Back then, we don't have a CCA in my secondary school. So we were playing social football, void deck football, and we share a lot of common things about football. And some of my friends decided to take a referee basic course. And that is where they pulled me in, where I didn't have any clue or any idea about uh, refereeing laws of the game while just playing football. But with the intention of going to the course to know more about the game. So at the age of 16, nobody would expect us to take a referee basic course while students or people like us would be playing football at the centre of excellence under 17 or under 15 level. I do play back then for a while before I decided to stop playing for the COE team because I was involved in too many activities. That's where at the age of 16, after my N-levels and O-levels, I have uh, plenty of time in between before my diploma course started in Singapore Poly. So I have a lot of time to indulge myself in matches at the grassroots levels, at the school levels and even at the amateur leagues to learn more about the game and to basically climb up the ladder of the refereeing. So what was it like, you know, you became an athlete referee at the age of 18, right? So what was it like trying to control players, you know, that are twice your age? I remember my first athlete game back then was at the age of 19. That was in 2006. It was a match at uh, Bedok Stadium and I remember the highlights or the talk of the town was on the referee instead of the, <laughs> the players itself because at the age of 19, officiating the professional league at 2006, we have a lot of top players uh, locally and internationally in the team. So it was a lot of pressure on me and basically to perform at that level, there was mistakes in the game, shortcomings, things that I have to improve. But it shows my passion, my interest in refereeing. That's where I didn't stop. I continued even at the age of 19 before even entering national service. During national service, still continuing to be part of the refereeing fraternity. And subsequently after my ORD, further my studies, but still continuing to be involved in the S-League back then to gain much more experiences before I was accredited at the FIFA level. So when you were 19, 20 or early 20s, you know, did any players give you a bit of disrespect or attitude because you were young? Definitely, because uh, looking at me as a, you have a boyish look back then, you know, or I would say immature. Even now. 
Thank you very much. <laughs> so boyish look or immature looks, you know. Uh, so players tend to take advantage of the referee. We call it they try to eat the referee. Eat in the sense that they try to influence the decision of the referees by you know pressurizing the referee in terms of their decision making, whether it's a disciplinary sanction or whatever it is. So of course the referees for me they are not undermining me, but. The pressure that I had is tremendous, which I had to overcome. But thankfully, I have for all my matches back then, I was assisted with very, very strong, experienced assistant referees. So I think that team plays a part in grooming me, ensuring that I was in the game to control and to manage the players, despite the pressure that I had off the field and on the field. So like you said, after the S-League, you progressed on to become a FIFA referee and, and you started officiating international level matches, continental club matches in the AFC Champions League and so on. You know, it's been a long journey for you. What have been your biggest highlights uh, as a referee? I think there are many matches that I have done over the years, but one of the significant matches, I would say, that I officiated was the AFC semi-final in 2020 between uh, Persopolis from Iran and Al-Nasr for Saudi Arabia. So these two teams, as you know, they are big powerhouse in Asia. And you know when an Iranian team meeting a Saudi Arabian team, uh, not only on the field, they are fighting for, for every match, I mean for every ball, for every decision that they want. But from the political point of view, uh, as you know, Iran and Saudi, they are not in good terms, right? So it somehow affected the match, which I have to take into consideration as a referee because this will affect the player's behaviour, the player's action in the game towards the match officials as well as towards the opposing team members. So that game was played during the pandemic. There were no fans. Eh? But at the same time, on the flip side, I remember you refereed in front of nearly 80,000 fans in Tehran for a World Cup qualifier between Iran also and, and China. Uh, what was that experience like to walk out onto the field with 80,000 fans in Iran? And actually, did you fear for your safety uh, at, at any point? Uh, Safety-wise, I'm not so worried because we have a lot of security officials at the stadium. But entering the stadium, feeling uh, nervous, you know, feeling that uh, goosebump coming up from me. And of course, the adrenaline rush right, for myself, walking to the pitch. Even sometimes during the game, when the crowd is too loud, especially in Azadi Stadium, you can't even hear your own whistle. You will hear just the noise of the spectators shouting and singing all the music. But definitely it was a very fantastic atmosphere uh, with a full stadium crowd of 80,000. So you've been Tehran, you've been in Doha, you've been, you know, Auckland as well. So many places you've refereed uh, all over the world. You obviously have to take a lot of time away from home. What are some of the sacrifices you had to make to get to this stage of your career? Uh, definitely uh, one of the key sacrifices was time for my family. I missed a lot of key milestones, especially as my kids grow up. But it is a big sacrifice that I've made thus far since I became an international referee. And, and as you know, as I progress at the beginning from FIFA level and when I set myself at a certain stage where I believe that I, I would be able to arrive at certain level, that it's where more sacrifices was made. And to be honest, the past two, three years also doesn't help much in the sense that uh, we were in a pandemic and most of the matches were played in uh, centralised venues. When I come back from these matches, I have to endure uh, between 14 days to 21 days of quarantine and before coming back to the family and before going again you know, for other centralised venues tournament. So this is uh, the past two, three years was a big sacrifice for me and I would like to 
take this opportunity to thank my wife, thank my kids for their support all this while. Especially my wife who has been behind the scenes, supporting and encouraging me. We have a lot of ups and downs in my refereeing career, but she's the only one that have been supporting me and the one that I trust in tough times when I need to make some decision making. So it's been a long journey, as you mentioned, a lot of ups and downs. So what was your reaction to being selected for, you know, as a match official at the Qatar World Cup? Of course, I feel overwhelmed as well as aesthetic with this appointment. It's unbelievable that I'm being appointed to this big stage. But at the same time, mixed emotions as I had to sacrifice a lot to be here. But I think at the end of the day, it bears fruits from me. And like I said, it's every referee's dream to be at the World Cup. Uh, not everyone uh, would be able to achieve it, but I would say this is a, a blessing for me for the sacrifice I have made. And I would like to thank everyone, uh, whether from my family side or even from the organization's side, especially FES, who have developed me and also to help with the development of younger referees in the future. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. And now back to our chat with Singapore's World Cup bound referee, Muhammad Taki Jahari. Okay, so at the Qatar World Cup, you will be a video match official, right? So can you share with us exactly what you'll be doing? Are you going to be at the stadium as well, in a room doing the VAR or, or in a in a centralised location? And uh, when will you know, you know what matches you'll be working on and so on? Alright, so basically the video match officials will be appointed just as a video match officials. They will not be assigned as a referee as FIFA have distinguished or separate between match officials on the field of play as well as video match officials of the field of play. So it's the same that how it works back in Russia 2018 where video operation room is a centralised venue. So in, in Qatar, it will apply the same. We will have a centralized video operation room. And uh, that's where all the video match officials will be assigned to the matches and they will be in the room based on the appointments uh, provided by FIFA. So you will only know which games you're going to do when you get to yeah, Qatar. Yeah, so basically we will be there about 10 to 14 days before the kickoff of the first match of the FIFA World Cup. We will have a lot of intensive training from the physical perspective as well from the VR perspective. So we will only know matches nearer to the date as usually what we practice in international level is that the appointments will not be revealed to the referees due to a lot of factors and you will only be informed to them or be announced to them one to two days prior to their assignment. Okay, so I'm sure you've heard a lot about the criticisms of VAR over the years, you know, that it slows the game down, that it sucks out the excitement for the fans and even maybe for the players. So what is your reaction every time you hear such comments? Uh, as you know, the VAR is still fresh in the football fraternity. It's just about five to six years before VAR was introduced into football. And it is the first time in 2018 where VR was used at the FIFA World Cup in Russia. So this will be the second time where VR will be used in a big stage, in a big tournament, which will be the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. And yes, as of now, there are still misconceptions uh, where players, technical officials, even spectators will feel that VR disrupts the game, slows down the game, affect the emotions, uh, atmosphere of the game, atmosphere of the stadium itself. Yes, because there will be disruptions where we will see delays in the game due to VR checks, uh, due to the on-field review by the referee. But ultimately, the purpose of having a video assistant referee 
is to identify serious misincidents as well as clear and obvious errors by the referee. So these two key things that being identified within the VR protocol, this will remove all these uh, big mistakes or big decisions by the referee, which will cause the undeserving team to progress to the next round. So what's the purpose is to allow teams that deserve to be in the next round to fairly progress to the next round. So that's the main purpose of, of the VR. And you can see that the VR do not intervene in many, many cases. When you watch a live football match, you will see that the referee make mistakes, which relates to, for an example, yellow card offences and so on. And you will see that the VR will not intervene in this kind of circumstances because this is not within the protocol itself. So, just take a break from the Qatar World Cup itself, but locally, can we see the VAR in the Singapore Premier League possibly in, you know, say 2023, next season? To be honest, we have been making good progress with our VAR training and implementation process. Not only that, our training has been going on from the beginning of 2022 and this has been going on till today and will last until next year. So, we have been making uh, good progress and we are on track to license our referee, also to have the infrastructure of the technology, infrastructure of the stadium to be ready as well. And one day when we have the assessment done by FIFA, by the governing body, that's more important because at the end of the day, when we want to implement VR in Singapore, we want to ensure that everything is rightly in place and our officials are properly licensed so that we do not compromise on anything that is not allowed by FIFA. So, back to the World Cup, what have you done to prepare for it? You mentioned, you know, you're going to be there about almost two weeks before to just ramp up your training. In terms of the lead-up, since you were announced, I think it was in June, right? Uh, in May. So, it was in May. So, you had about five, six months. What have you been doing differently to prepare for the World Cup? So, the build-up to the World Cup has been uh, consistent for me till the day of the announcement. Uh, I was officiating the AFC Under-23 as a VR in Uzbekistan uh, before I officiated the playoff match between Australia and uh, UAE. And subsequently, uh, all the match officials who have been selected for Qatar World Cup, we went for a seminar in Doha based on their confederation itself. So we went in seminar in June for three days uh, to test our physical knowledge uh, technical knowledge as well as uh, have some VR uh, match practice. Additionally, throughout the past few months, I uh, was involved with the AFC Champions League in the East region for the knockout stages as a VR. And also I had the opportunity uh, last month with the support from the Football Association of Singapore. Uh, I had an exchange program with Football Association of Thailand where I officiated in the Thailand League their League 1 matches as a VR, uh, so that I will be able to continuously gain exposure in a live match practice. Locally, I had the opportunity to uh, to be part of the team to in the VR implementation process. So I think basically, as I share my knowledge, I am learning at the same time. So I think it really helps me a lot. I'm able to gain as well uh, knowledge from then in the perspective of the theoretical session. And now we are moving into the practical session week in, week out. So basically, the, the training has been fantastic and I just want to remain consistent and remain safe as much as possible before my departure next month. So in Qatar, you will be in, like you say, in, in a centralised room, right? But... I'm sure you are very fit because like you say, you, you have had to 
continue being a main referee. You, you were, you know, recently the the referee for the Alberex Lion City Sailors game as well. How physically fit do you have to be to be a referee? Uh, as a referee in general, uh, we have to stay consistently fit. Moreover, being an intentional referee, when you are assigned for matches, you must be ready to officiate the match. So what is your 2.4 km timing? Uh, I wouldn't say my timing will be good because I have uh, ROD now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but how frequently do you run long distance? Do you run like 5K every day or something? So, so, so re- referee training have a lot of variations. Right? Referee training have a lot of variations. So we do a lot of high-intensity trainings. Uh, we do long-distance training like maybe you say 5km or 8km or 10km. So there's a lot of variations in training. There is not a training where it's specific. For example, we just focus on 2.4km because in this modern-day refereeing, football has evolved. Right In the past few years, football has evolved where the players are playing very quick football and most of the teams are now building their attack from the back from the goal kick itself and they build up their passes until the last third of the field so referee's fitness test over the years have changed the past 10 years when I joined refereeing 2002 we were running 12 minute run we call it the uh, so called the 2.4 run alright but we have to complete about 2.8 kilometers within 12 minutes so over the years it have changed from 2.4 to high intensity and now we are high intensity test where involve a lot of interval runs so in, in any case this is why Taki is refereeing at the World Cup and I'm sitting in the room behind my laptop writing lah because but, <laughs> but I'm glad I still have a chance to play football with you <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons we quit was because uh, we had to do our warm-up and it was eight rounds of the track and then we were like you know what <laughs> this is not worth it <laughs> who was the coach back then? <laughs> yeah. okay let's let's not name names uh. <laughs> okay but uh, last last question just to wrap it up uh, what are you most looking forward to in Qatar and uh, do you have like a dream match you know you, you wish to be a part of? Uh, okay to be honest I don't have any expectations uh, in the matches that I'm going to officiate but more importantly for me, whenever I have the opportunity or the assignment to officiate a match, I want to give uh, my best. I want to share my experiences and my knowledge uh, to contribute to this game and to ensure that, uh, you know, from a VR perspective, we want to have minimum interference and maximum benefit for the game. That's where the refereeing on the field of play is making all the decisions uh, while the VR who is behind the scene is just uh, supporting the referee with all the decisions that he made, knowingly that all the decisions he's made on the field of play is correct. And that's where they, we don't have any intervention that of, of from the VR. So from the refereeing point of view and from the VR point of view, I think that's my goal for every game or every match that I will be appointed. So a, a, any special match between two favourite teams, Spain, Germany or something like that, like two powerhouses or... Uh, if I'm appointed, it will be a pleasure for me, but uh, I do not want her to put any expectation because uh, it's very weird because for me, I'm going there as a referee. I do receive a lot of you know comments or from, from friends and so on. You know, or oh, you're going to Doha for holiday, enjoying the World Cup. But but you know, I have been I have been on this uh, line of refereeing for many years. Uh, the prep towards any tournament is very very important. And once you arrive at the venue, I usually feel nervous, not because of the excitement, because of the pressure that we receive from as a referee. All right, it's totally different from the players. They have their own preparation, while the referees who are being appointed, we have our own preparation. And 
we want to succeed from the refereeing point of view as a team, not only for myself but uh, for the entire team, uh, whether it's for the video match officials for the or for the entire refereeing fraternity in Qatar itself. Alright, thank you again Taki for joining us in the studio and we wish you all the best in executing your duties in Qatar and I will see you then. Hopefully we can uh, grab a meal or, or something together. Lah. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure for me to be here. I hope to see you there, definitely. And we will catch up soon. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.